with the panel on RNZ National, Ali Jones, Jeremy Alwood this afternoon. Now, State Highway 16 is under traffic management due to flooding south of Helensville near the intersection of Bradley Road. Light vehicles have been turned away with some heavy and 4x4 vehicles able to pass. First up, Auckland City remains under a local state of emergency. Some roads are still closed because of flooding and there is a risk that waterways will continue to rise with... Uh, some rain still possible. Fire and Emergency NZ also had a handful of calls for flood-related matters. At an Auckland emergency management briefing today, Rachel Kelleher said about a dozen people used civil defence centres set up yesterday. And whilst the level of flooding is nowhere near January 27 floods, it still impacted some homes, including, again, parts of West Auckland, and many residents there have been calling for more action. Yesterday, Auckland had up to 109 millimetres worth of rain, with the heaviest rainfall occurring in Tepai Park in Henderson. Now with us is resident of Blockhouse Bay, uh, out toward west of Auckland, Russell Pedersen. Kia ora, Russell. Kia ora, thanks for having me on. Pleasure. Now, what happened uh, around your house? Yesterday? Yeah. Oh, I was at work... And um, wife calls me and says, yeah, it's some creeks getting up and um, you should probably come home. So, yeah, it took me about 25 minutes to get home. I drove through Onehunga, some big puddles there, and um, get home. And the water's already up to the lapping at the door, the um, threshold of the doors for my downstairs. Um, so, yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a repeat nightmare going on for us because that, that'll be the thir- third time it came through this, this year alone. The third time this year alone. Correct. So 27th January, floodwaters came up and um, we were busy making dinner and um, kids called out, hey, <laughs> Dad, Dad, look outside. Have a look outside and the creek is um, it's rising up and it's getting pretty, um, pretty high. And within half an hour, we had over a metre of water through the bottom half of our house. Um, so, I mean, we cleared out what we could, but... Um, yeah, you can't stop it when it gets that heavy. And then again, three days later, we come through a little bit less than that. And then again, yesterday, we had probably a good 200 mil deep of water through the bottom half of the house. We talked um, at quarter to four about the psychological significance of rain and whenever it's going to rain. And you, your photo must be feeling that, Russell. Yeah, so we've got four kids. Um, you know, they're youngish oldest is 14 and you know just last night he came out about nine o'clock and just wandered out and wanted a hug and I was like you're right bud and he's like no dad it's raining again and um I mean it's it's I haven't been sleeping much at all and and you know there's there's times where it rains heavy and I feel like I'm just going to vomit and um yeah I mean I've never felt so fragile in my whole life to be honest um just yeah struggling a bit gosh um, we we have a panel with us, Russell. Mm. Kia ora, thank you for your time. No worries. What are you calling for? There's the group. What are you? What are you? What are you calling for? What do you want done? Yeah, well, it's, in my mind, it's fairly simple. I mean, I'm a practical bloke, and um, I bought this house in 2014, and we asked the resident that had it before us, who was actually the the original builders of the house. We said, um, built in the 70s, and we said, has it been flooded before? She said, no, it's come close, but hasn't. Um, and then 
obviously. So we've had it for nine years, and it's flooded four times since then. First one was in 2017, which was, I, I think, it was dubbed the uh, Tasman Tempest. Um, and so, I, I mean, in my mind, what's changed when it was built mm. to now? And um, obviously, infill housing is, is a big one. We've seen a massive amount of development through our area. Land is valuable. Um, where you would have had, say, on an 800 square metre section, you have a little one um, three bedroom home. We now got, say, six or eight terraced houses. Um, so less permeable land, and that runs off down into, and the creek at the back of our house is the Fowl Creek. So it's this tiny little waterway which turns into this raging beast when it rains too heavy. So, um, and the big thing is that it just flows on from elsewhere. Um, yeah. Hey, so, now, Russell, Russell, we've got a um, panel with us. Let's bring them in. Uh, Jeremy, you can respond sure. to Lyle coming up. Let's bring Ellie in for you, Russell. Ellie Jones. Yeah, this is not dissimilar to some of the stuff, not to the degree, I don't think, but not dissimilar to some of the stuff that we've been experiencing in my part of Christchurch around St Albans. You may have heard of the Flockton Basin. Um, and when yes. I was on council, flooding within Flockton was, it was horrendous. People were having to get boats to their houses. They lost their houses. So the council at that stage approved a significant expenditure to put in a new pump. Uh, and that pump has essentially meant that there has been no flood. So, I mean, that's one option. We are still getting flooding in the Edgware area in St Albans, uh, and that's being looked at. But the point I wanted to raise here is, um, and your homeowner, I'm sorry, was it Russell? Russell. Yeah, it is, yep. Yes. Yeah, Russell, is, looking around your area, is there anything that you think could be done? You're a practical guy. I know in <laughs> parts of the Pacific that they put swales in and giant concrete yeah. tubes that they then nicely put grass on. Is there anything that could be done with the land to help yep. ease this? Well, I mean, we so, so we have been instructed after phone calls um, after the last flood by the um, mayor's office that we're we're to clear our bit of creek out behind our house, which is <laughs> great. Um, yeah, nice. Thanks for that. And um, but we don't have the machinery, or the manpower to clear some of the fallen trees, the blocked up debris. Um, and I mean, up, walking up and down through our local parks, up and down from our house, there's just a, a, a huge amount of debris that's been left completely ignored. Um, be it just foliage and trees, whatever, um, but also just stuff that the previous floods have caught and carried off into the stream. So, for instance, we had this massive six-drawer buffet dresser in, in our backyard after that storm um, in, in January, which I had to break up and throw in the bin. But that kind of thing, if that hits the culvert down the road that goes under the bridge, that culvert can't handle. And it's interesting because yesterday, um, after I secured my house, um, I went down to check the culvert, and yeah, there's um, a massive amount of debris blocking that culvert, and it just couldn't handle. Uh, hey, so R- Russell, clearing the waterways is probably going to be the quickest and easiest way to fix the problem. Particularly if you've got massive uh, things like wardrobe. Hey, Don't no, your rates cover that? Well, we were, we were told by our local MP, Deborah Russell, that rates should cover it, and then the mayor's office said, I'll oh, clear your own creek. Okay, Russell, um, we, we, we must move on. We've got um, the, the, the founder of the West Aucklanders flooding. Russell, keep in touch with us. Thank yes, you very Thank much you. for uh, being with us. And with us is Lyle Cart. He's one of the founders of the group West Aucklanders flooding. Kia ora, Lyle. Gosh, did you hear that? Yeah, I, 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 kia ora, uh, Wallace. Um, where is Russell based? He is based in Blockhouse Bay. Right, right. And he is yeah, sick um, with warriors as his children. Um, I think um, 
uh, sorry. No, um, I was going to say you probably be because you're one of the founders of the group West Talking Was Flooding. You would have heard these stories many a time. Uh, you set up the group after the intense Jan 27 floods. Uh, are you surprised that here we go again just three and a half months later? Yeah, um, we're not surprised. Um, but we're, <clears throat> we're all pretty uh, emotionally spent and financially spent for a lot of us. Um, like I've said in the past, where my family is pretty, pretty lucky, pretty blessed that we um, we haven't had water come inside our home. Uh, but I work out in East Auckland, which is a long way from from West Auckland, and I was racing home to get home to um, my wife and 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 little baby yesterday. It just um, and and that is that's just one small story in all of this. Um, there's countless stories of this is just another gut punch of trauma that this has added to not just people out west but people um, around Auckland and indeed throughout our country. Jeremy, and, um, let's bring Jeremy Elwood in. So, Lyle, I mean, I think these these stories are sadly very familiar, but, I mean, what, what can be done? I mean, what, what's the sort of most practical thing that could be done Straight away to obviously for the no, next there's time. not going to be some fix, but what's the one thing they could do now to make the next next time better? I think, I mean, it, I think clearing the streams is part of it, mm-hmm. but um, our our independent research and engineers would say that that's that that's a small part of the issue, a, a large part of the issue. If we've got we've got homes um, that are just in in the way of nature and we're in a we're in a a battle with nature that we're not going to win and so the solution we believe is managed retreat we need to get out we need to wave the white flag to nature get out of and get out of no man's land and just get gone are you are um, you t- sorry are you talking about specific pl- i mean you you're saying this group covers west auckland i mean I, i've heard managed retreat um out on the beaches for example but are you talking within yeah. sort of within sort of west auckland suburbs as well yeah so we 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 kind of, we're kind of based henderson um mm. ranui kind of area and um and i can't really speak at length i mean i'm not an expert i'm uh, by any stretch of the imagination, just a, just a everyday Westie. Yeah. Um, but what? What? Yeah. We're kind of we're we're urban. We're more urban um, generally, right. um, and we bought a kind of Swanson area as well, which is yeah. which is a little bit more farmland. So, Emmanuel so, uh, Retreat, one of the uh, longer term options uh, for yeah. you there, La Cura for, for now. And again, thank you for being. Uh, with us here uh, on the panel. That's uh, one of the founders of the group, West Aucklanders Flooding. Before that, uh, Russell Peterson, he's in Blockhouse Bay, just, uh, yeah, uh, family and himself just worried sick about what's going to happen the next time round. Uh, To this, though, 19 past four, national leader Christopher Luxon has bluntly ruled out working with his party's former coalition partner should he lead the next government. Luxon, who last week said a vote for Te Pāti Māori was a vote for Labour and the Greens. And in a release this morning, Luxon said the bridge between the two parties was now too wide to close. Uh, meanwhile, National and Act could government in the latest Taxpayers Union Curia poll. Big bump to Act. They're up 3 to 12.7%. Um, so uh, the centre-right can form a government in the latest poll. To discuss all this, we have Professor in Politics at Massey University, Richard Shaw. Kia ora, Richard. 
Well, considering the Te Pāti Māori have often been in the last uh, few polls been put in kingmaker position, uh, this election, is this a wise move to say, nope, no deal? Uh, well, if the recently released taxpayer union Kiwi poll is the poll that we have on October the 14th, um, then, it, then it is a wise move um, <laughs> because because the question is moot then. Um, you combine national and act and they have a, a two-party majority. That's, that looks very much like a, a coalition majority government. Um, and I don't think that there is a coincidence between the timing of the release of that poll and, and Mr Luxon's comments, which are clearly designed to, to draw a line between uh, the uncertainty w- which might surround the position of Te Pāti Māori, uh, and there are, uh, there are various reasons why Mr Luxon would want to make that distinction public. I think he's shoring up support there and sending signals, various signals sent about who he would feel comfortable governing with and who he would not be comfortable with. So these two things go together, I think. But uh, if you look at other polls... Um, the question is not moot. Uh, and so it is an interesting position that he has put his party in. I, I don't think it's unexpected, Wallace. The, you know, the antipathy right. between Te Pāti Māori and the ACT Party in particular has been rumbling on for a long time. Um, and But this does maybe change the calculus, particularly as far as ACT uh, and its leverage in the future government might be concerned. Uh, Ellie Jones. Nope, uh, Jeremy. Yes, sorry, <laughs> no, no, I'm here. No, 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 I am here. Sorry, um, I, I didn't think this was very surprising at all. I mean, did anyone ever think that National would would cosy up to the Maori Party? Uh, I know that they have in the past, but I think both are very different to to the way they were several years ago. I think it's a really good move for Luxon. Um, and for his constituents to have a line drawn in the sand, at least the voters know where they stand. And I think the party Māori has always made it clear that, um, you know, if they were going to cosy up to national, and this has been said on more than one occasion, it would have to be a really impressive package for them to tempt them. I, I don't think it's it's ever going to happen, really. I guess the question I would have, though, is do you think it's possible, and have we ever seen previously, that a position changes, that a leader like Luxon says something categorically like this, but then on the night of an election or so forth, they actually have to back down. Has that ever happened? Which is what John Tomahedi said. I look at the top of my head, Ali, I'm going to say yes, and uh, I can't remember specific instances, but we, since 1996, in the very first MNP election, what will this be? This will be our 11th, I think. We've had every single configuration of government that it is possible to have, and some of those have come about because, uh, on the basis of pragmatism, the leader of a major political party has realised that there is nothing to be gained by having another three years in opposition, uh, when what might happen is a a conversation with somebody with whom there might previously have been antipathy. That person might have been Winston Peters at various points in the past and a, and a, and a negotiation of some sort takes place and, and a compromise and, and agreement is reached. This this would be difficult, I think, for reasons that you've rightly mm. identified, the, the antipathy between ACT and Te Pāti Māori, but also the content of Mr Luxon's comments today mm. won't have been well received, I think, amongst the Pāti Māori voters, amongst the party itself. Uh, there were some comments there which were probably uh, intentional but, but unrelated uh, comments around you know, constitutional arrangements and one person, one vote and separatism and so on. They won't have played well. Um, but you're absolutely right. No, this cannot be a surprise. And what it does do is it quite helpfully identifies that there is a centre-left a center left block and a centre-right block, and we know who those, we know what those groupings are. And, uh, and to that extent, right. there is some clarity for voters looking ahead, yeah.
Yeah, I think it, it draws another line here, wasn't it? Which is, um, if there was any doubt, I mean, you can see where Nationals hoping to pick up some votes here, which is, you know, throwing around these the ideas of co-governance, uh, one per, one person, one vote, separatism. I mean, he, they referred to, to Party Maori as radical and separatist today. I mean, it, and the fact that they've, I mean, I know it's an academic point at the moment, but refusing to rule out Winston Peters and New Zealand first again, uh, yeah. you are playing into the hands of the, the anti-co-governance, you know, those buzzwords that are cir- circling around certain parts of the right. right at the moment. I must add that uh, Te Pāti Māori co-leaders have previously, months ago, all but ruled out mm. being part of a national government. But mm. back in March, uh, uh, Richard, co-leader Debbie Ngārewa-Paka suggested that Te Pāti Māori may enter negotiations seeking to find a different relationship as compared to coalition support partners in the past. And I was, I was wondering what might that entail? Might that be another avenue? Uh, it could be. It's really difficult to see what that might be, I yeah. think. Um, Wallace, I mean, two, two, two things here. As far as Te Pāti Māori is concerned, one of the other things that happens now is to the extent that they might have had leverage in coalition negotiations or government formation conversations with a Labour-led bloc and a national-led bloc, that's that's largely been taken off the table. It's it's either a Labour-led bloc or nobody, and we can't predict what that would happen, what would happen in those conversations anyway. Um, there won't be anywhere else for Te Pāti Māori to go, but I agree with Ali. I, I don't think they would have gone that other way anyway. They're a very different party under Ngārua Paka and Rawari Waititi to the party that was punished after three terms of supporting a national-led administration by Māori voters. The other thing that happens, though, I think, and this is this interests me too, you mentioned the poll bump yeah. um, that the ACT Party have had. Uh, you know, if the National Party can't play two potential coalition partners off against each other, which is a standard tactic, it's not the only one, but it can happen, then that, that gives David Seymour even more leverage in the process of allocating portfolios and ministerial seats around a table and signing up to spending and other policy commitments. He's now he's now got about a third of the level of support that the National Party has. Um, he's not very popular on the personal uh, on the personal front. The other part of the Curia poll, which I think is worth looking yes. at, are the personal the popular popularity ratings. Chris Hopkins is at plus 22% net favourability for memory. Christopher Luxon and David Seymour are both below water. So, and that's not insignificant. I mean, I know we don't vote for, we don't have a presidential system, so we don't vote directly for the chief executive. But in the context of an election campaign, which tends to be fronted by the leaders of the major parties, questions of popularity and visibility and voter familiarity and so on will also be important variables in determining what happens on the night of October the 14th. Richard? Always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, That is Professor in Politics at Massey University, Richard Shaw. It is 27 past for the panel. Now, a midweek tasting for you. (laughs) Last month, Pratik, live on air, tasted his first ever Fijoa. Wow, he said, quote unquote. And then you, listeners across the country, asked me if Pratik could come back and taste something else. And today, Pratik has kindly said yes. What else will pass his lips for the first time? With us is the Auckland office manager and front of house at RNZ Auckland. Pratik, welcome. 
Kia ora, Wallace. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I need to point out two things, by the way, for people who are listening to this. What you, what you, firstly, you can't smell what's just occurred in here, which is fantastic. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but secondly, what you can't see is he's the office manager. The rest of the office are staring at us through the control window. He's got I a have, crowd. I have never seen that many people in that control room in all the years I've been coming not here. Not even so. on election night. Not even There's them, more no. people here <laughs> waiting to, to see what Pratik tastes on election night. How odd is that? How are you today? I'm um, good. I just had a bout of hiccups before coming in, so I'm sorry in advance if I if what I. What are you going to taste for us? Um, I've got a passion fruit here today, which looks like a shriveled avocado. Okay. Uh, never seen it before. I they didn't have a sign at Pack and Save. I had to ask the guy what this is, and uh, it was pretty embarrassing. Have you ever tasted one? Never had it before. Are Only you? in like like ice creams and. Right. Uh, Maybe like, you know, a cocktail. So like a topping, yeah. yeah. All right, yep. so um, without further ado, are you ready? You've already opened it, so you know how to open it. And that's why that's where the smells come from. It's yeah. a beautiful smell of passion yeah. fruit in here. Isn't I love it. it. I love it. It? Well, right. it looks like a crime scene on the inside. Um, <laughs> okay. Here I go. Um, All right, here we go. Pratik on his first passion fruit. Here we go. You can wow. The, you can hear the pips crunch. Yeah, you forget about the crunch, don't you? Yeah. Gosh, that's, yeah. he's not putting it on either. Here we go. No response yet. That is really strange. I, I don't think I'm a fan of this. Not as good as the Fijoa, I'd say. It's, it's really 10, chalky. 10 being amazing, 1 being a shocker. What would you give it? Like a 3. Oh. I'm sorry, people. <gasps> please, no. please don't hate me. Ellie, <laughs> listeners. A oh, panel family. It's beautiful. Can you believe this? He gave he gave the world's heavenly fruit a three out of ten. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm struggling. Although I am looking at the half he hasn't eaten and just waiting for him to leave the studio. Ellie, so uh, Ellie, <laughs> he he just hates it. Uh, yeah, don't chew the the pips. That's your first mistake. That's a rookie mistake. Just swallow them. No, oh. you don't. You don't. You got to chew them, Jeremy Elwood. You can do both. It's a it's a wonderful fruit, passion fruit, isn't it? It's just it's a magical magical it's thing. It's just fantastic. I so like you, the description as a shriveled avocado. That's really good. But then you cut open to it. Okay, it's not the prettiest fruit inside, but the colours are great, and oh, I love I love it. You don't feel it at all, do you? Nah, I mean, I as my first aid St John's safety training says, not. To swallow it because you know choking hazard in the office. That's part of my job, and um, <laughs> no, it. I, I see why they try to sneak it into like ice creams because it doesn't taste very good. <laughs> There's got to be a lot of All people right. listening thinking you've picked Fijoa over passion fruits. You've drawn a battle line with a lot of New someone Zealanders here, right there. Ali, someone yeah. says Wallace, yeah. you, you just dropped the ball on this. Needs a little sugar, dude. You cannot be serious. Oh, Sugar and a passion fruit. This is disgraceful. No one understands the power of passion fruit uh, except Jeremy Alwood. And Andrew. Pratik, uh, your gig is finished. Alrighty. That's You're it. fired. Uh, Never again. It's over. No, that's terrible. Uh, 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 hey, Morama, you're in, you're in <laughs> I had as well. To come in. I, yeah. I, you can't fire him. You've given him an unripe <laughs> passion fruit. I oh, haven't. It's cr- uh, Marama, it's crinkly. You didn't see it. You saw it last week. It's crinkled. <laughs> it looks like a good, it's a good yeah. passion fruit. Yeah. Yeah, do, it's do, you want, do you want me to continue Pratik on the show? Yes, absolutely. Yay, thank Just, you, Marama. I love, I'm Pratik fan club here. Okay, I'll have a think about it. All right, Pratik, out of here. Thank you. All right, a three out of ten for passion fruit.